Welcome to Business Talk Sister Doc. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode is part two of how to start a videography business. With us, we have Noah. You, If you didn't hear our first episode, <laughs> you need to go back and at least listen to the gawk portion with Noah because that was great. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I have some questions for you. Um, we already went through what do you do? Why do you do it? And we kind of started getting a little bit into how do you do it? Um, yeah. But I have some more questions for you on that. So right. how, how would you describe your regular day? How do you do what you do? That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of days are different depending on uh, the time of year, honestly. Um, for example, right now I'm mostly, um, I'm emailing and like doing phone calls quite a bit with, um, clients for next year, uh, for weddings. Um, so the off season of weddings is mostly like, um, booking and just like getting details straightened out and answering a lot of, you know, people have a lot of questions about, um, how I can fit into their plans and, you know that sort of thing so um right now it's just a lot of communicating and sending out contracts and that sort of thing um in the summer it's a lot more just hands-on shooting editing um a lot of driving honestly um and just sort of in the grind of um i guess uh wedding video workflow i guess but living off of red bull Exactly. Yes. That's a year round thing though. <laughs> so when you meet with people, is it, do they choose you based on like your personality a lot of times when you meet with them and say, this is what I can do, or is it more based on the work that you've previously done? That's a good question. Um, so a lot of times, honestly, I, I rarely meet with people initially. Um, so when they book me, yeah, it's, it's, uh, entirely based around, um, initially at least around portfolio. So, um, yeah, it, it's a lot of emails and, um, you know, once in a while, if people are in the area of, you know, in Duluth here, I'll meet with them, but a lot of people are booking me, they live out of state, um, or, you know, they're down in the cities. And so it's, it's pretty hard to get like an initial, um, consultation meeting or whatever. I don't even know what you call that, but, um, uh, so it's, uh, they basically just see my portfolio and say, Hey, that looks like something that we're looking for. And so they contact me. All right. Um, what do you think would be an advantage of having a second shooter? I know it's kind of, you do things a lot of, a lot, pretty solo for now. Um, but do you think that you would ever expand to doing that if you saw the value in it? For sure. Um, it's something I think about. Uh, more and more actually so I've I've never had a second shooter um on a wedding shoot uh for sure um it it would be helpful in a lot of ways um in terms of weddings it'd be helpful to just get different um angles of something that's happening so you know for example um a lot of couples do like a first look at sort of you know midday or something it's the first time they see each other so, you know, it's kind of a cool moment. I always really like it because it's either usually really sweet or sometimes it's just really funny and, you know, it 
people's personalities just sort of come out during these first looks. So, um, but the problem with having one camera and one lens is like, usually you get one person's reaction to things and you don't see both their faces. Um, so um, that's one area where having a second shooter would be kind of nice. It's just like moments like that where um, things, you know, are happening in real time and you know you can only capture so much from one angle um yeah but on the flip side uh you know more cameras is in my opinion is just it's more pressure you know if i'm there there's probably a photographer there uh, the photographer a lot of times uh does have a second shooter already so on a wedding day it's like if people really want four cameras you know potentially <laughs> on them at all times it seems kind of excessive so um you know so it in a lot of spaces you know it's just like tight spaces too if you're indoors or whatever it's just like it wouldn't really make sense to have a second shooter in a lot of um, environments but yeah 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 um so what would be some of the kind of base level equipment that you would need to have starting out and then now when you're looking back at when you first started thinking about like I can't believe how I survived without this so like starting out and then looking back now like I can't live without this sure yeah video is um it definitely is a little bit more gear-based than just still photos would be um so there are some things when you're making videos that you do need that you wouldn't really think about otherwise. So um, luckily in terms of video cameras, like the last 10 years or so has been insane with video technology. Um, I mean, you just look at the kind of videos you get with your cell phone now and it's just insane the, the amount of processing that they can put into small packages. So luckily that uh, the cameras that you would need um, really aren't that expensive um i think i shot my first 25 weddings or so like the first year of weddings i shot on um uh, like a 400 camera maybe 500 um really wasn't that expensive um so camera's not really that expensive you probably need um at minimum you probably need uh like a wide angle lens and sort of a more like telephoto lens um so camera two or three lenses um you need some audio equipment too which is kind of a whole separate thing it's like a lot of people don't think about is um the amount of cables and like recorders and microphones that you'll need to just like record stuff um, um other than that um you do need a really nice computer which starting out that's probably the biggest expense that you'll have is, is a computer, either whether it's a laptop or a desktop um, that's uh, will be able to handle like high quality videos. Um, but I'd say when I started out, um, I probably had in total, maybe like 2000 invested in all of my equipment. Uh, that includes a computer as well. So that's, I mean, extremely low in my opinion. Um, so you can get going for pretty cheap. Um, and then as you start learning, like what the limitations are of sort of, you know, less expensive cameras and less expensive 
lenses and that sort of thing, um, you kind of realize what needs to get upgraded and what will what will actually help versus just end up costing money and not really help that much. So, so how often do you upgrade equipment? Um, it's uh, honestly it's kind of a continual process, which is um, if you talk to any photographer about it, they'll they'll kind of probably laugh about that question too because it's sort of the curse of you know acquiring gear all the time is like there's always going to be something that sparks your interest or you know they come out with a new version of a lens or whatever um i myself just basically replaced everything that i own uh over this last winter um and upgraded uh all my camera all my lenses and everything and i switched over to uh to sony if that means anything to anyone but um um so honestly it's kind of a continual thing of like finding the right balance between things but luckily like cameras and lenses they have a pretty good resale value so um you know it might seem like yeah i just dropped like whatever seven thousand on new gear but i'm gonna sell a lot of this other stuff that uh, is gonna make up for that so so tell us about um intellectual property and what do you know about using that like other artist stuff for like audio and those kind of things how does that factor into um how you put a video compilation together um in your editing phase yeah that's a that's a great question actually um because the audio side of things is a lot trickier than i think a lot of people realize um because of copyrights so um you know, a lot of people reach out to me and they'll, they'll ask for, um, you know, a wedding video, but they say, Hey, we'd like this, you know, I don't know, Garth Brooks song or whatever in it. And, um, I have to sort of explain to them like, Hey, actually, if you want to use that song, um, if you want to pay me to make a video using that song, um, I have to go out and get a license for it. And the license that song is, you know, if it's a really popular song, it's probably going to cost like, twenty thirty thousand dollars or something like that um so it's probably not something we're able to do um and so yeah that piece i sort of have to navigate with people um sometimes so i i do pay for licensing for um, that's one of my business or my biggest business expenses actually is paying for music licensing for wedding videos um and so uh you know, it's sort of like the more you end up paying, the higher quality music you get access to. So um, that's one thing that I take a little bit of pride in is, you know, being a musician, I, I'm sort of a little bit pickier about music. And so um, I, I would like to think that the music I pick uh, really represents a couple well and also sort of, you know, fits the sort of 218 Visuals brand well, I guess. Um, but yeah. I'd say audio copyrights is the biggest uh, thing where I run into that. And um, I've even had some cases where I've uh, purchased a license for a song. Um, I can think of one example is I, I bought a license to use the Hillsong's Oceans uh, in a wedding video. And as soon as I posted it, um, Facebook and Instagram took it down immediately. <laughs> so they wouldn't even let me post it. And I had to um, like sort of file a claim that said, well, hey, actually, I do have 
like I have a written license from, um, you know, the Hillsong, I forget who their publishing company is, um, but, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of a messy world. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, if you use music that you don't have rights to, like it probably just get removed entirely, um, which is kind of a bummer, but, um, yeah. So what are some good tools for finding songs that you use? Yeah, so because it's such a common problem, luckily there are um, websites that will sort of tailor their music selection to filmmakers and videographers. So um, for example, the main one that I use is called Musicbed um, and they're this giant catalog of music, uh, mostly uh, unknown artists that you know you wouldn't see uh, on the radio definitely although there are some you know for example that's where i got the license to oceans and uh, you know they have stuff like ben rectors on there and that sort of thing but um for the most part it's it's people that are like maybe on spotify but that you hadn't heard before um which for me i think that's great especially for wedding videos like i don't know if people like really want their wedding day attached to like a taylor swift song or something um i like i think initially that probably seems like a good idea but i think you want like a little bit more of a personal or unique touch to the music so um there's tons of great resources like music bed uh, soundstripe is another one uh art list there's you know there's probably a, a solid half dozen or dozen like really solid websites that uh, you can pay to have access to. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying right now, I, I strongly regret not having a Taylor Swift song for my <laughs> wedding song. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> strike that from the record. I don't know. Lifelong regret of Becca's. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get into some of the more technical financial pieces. Tell me about like traveling and gas and how you work that into your cost that you bill out to a client. Yeah. So um, for uh, weddings and just other um, video projects that are out of town, um, definitely um, charge for uh, travel. So I, I don't know if that's a suggestion or whatever, but like I, you definitely should be charging if you're taking your time to drive somewhere and and uh, bring all your gear and a car and gas and all that stuff. So um, it's uh, it, it, I think about it in terms of like how many hours is it away uh, from me. So um i don't know if i have an exact you know cut off for like when i'll charge for a hotel room exactly um that sort of depends on like <laughs> how f i don't know how f i guess maybe i'd say the number in my head right now is like if it's more than three hours away from my house like I'll, i'm probably going to charge you know another however much like a hotel room is in the area if it's if it's something that's going to keep me there late um, like a wedding, for example, or if it's like a two-day project or something. Um, but I don't really, um, that's sort of like a, a flat rate too. So I, I don't really charge like, you know, the exact number of miles, for example, sort of a flat travel fee that goes up, you know, for every hour or so that it is away from, away from me. Um, and I'm sure there's different and maybe better ways of doing that, but um, I, in general, I try to keep the business side of things as simplified as I can because um, 
I am more of like a, I don't know, scatterbrained, creative minded sort of videographer rather than like a really business oriented one. Um, so yeah, if I'm just being honest, that's probably where I land. So that's pretty much most creative people in general with business. So <laughs> how do you, yeah. um, when you, when you package your video files, um, do you include like the B roll in that too, or is that extra? How do you bring your final product to people? Yeah. So, um, I don't really normally give people like the raw footage of like everything that I shot that day. If, if that's what you're asking. Um, some people have asked for that and I'm usually able to talk them out of it. It sort of, it gets into a lot of like technical stuff with like video codecs and color spaces and all this stuff. But the reality is like, even if I gave you all this stuff, um, number one, your computer wouldn't even be able to play it. Like my computer can't even play the videos that I shoot unless I import them first into, you know, Adobe Premiere. So, um, <laughs> so the raw footage for most people is completely useless. So I'm usually able to be like, well, you, you're probably not going to really use it anyways. Um, so I don't give people everything, but I, I do um, give quite a bit of uh, like, I don't know if you call it material, at least for a wedding day. Um, so there's the highlights video that is sort of, you know, it's the, it's the really cool, you know, cinematic thing with background music and all the, all the fun, cool shots of the day. It's all the stuff that's, you know, I advertise on, on my Instagram and it's on my website and stuff. Um, but other than that, separately, I send recordings of things. So um, by that, I mean like a full recording of the ceremony, of the speeches, of the, you know, first dances of the day that happened. Um, and then uh, there's some other like little, I should call them like vignettes or whatever, just like little moments of the day that I send to. So um, I send most of that just privately to people. Um, because I don't think a lot of people want their, you know, best man's wedding toast or whatever, just public on YouTube or, you know, like their wedding ceremony vows, like a lot of people want that kind of more private. So um, that is uh, just sort of at their discretion if they want to share that, but I keep that uh, private on my end at least. So um, there's been some really funny, um, speeches though that like it's like i don't even know these people um and i'm just like crying laughing like there's that's that's like such a uh hidden surprise when someone's just like hilarious you know it's just like oh man this is great i'm like being entertained and i'm getting paid right now <laughs> in terms of like delivery it's all uh it's all online so i don't do any sort of dvds or um I used to offer like a USB option and if someone was really intent on that, I would, I would do it for them, but uh, people just download them and put them on their own USB drive. So this is not something I um, care to do for people, honestly, because um, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, okay. So when you first started out, how did you kind of overcome the insecurity of, of doing something new and stepping out? That's yeah. So I think you just have to accept the fact that you're just going to suck for a while, you know, and that's, that's what I say a lot with people about music do like, cause I'm a guitarist. And so a lot of, you know, people ask me for guitar tips or whatever. I'm just like, honestly, you just have to learn to just suck 
that like you're just not going to be good at it for the first whatever um but it's the process of like uh sort of powering through that and the desire to like get better and improve and compare your work to other people and just uh it's you just have to go through that to um to get better at things i think that applies to video it applies to music and i think it just applies to anything new that you try out like obviously the the first time you do something is not going to be as good as you know when you've mastered something so like watching the first first episode of any show ever (laughs) right yeah yeah the characters aren't developed it's a little awkward you know but then like you know you get to season three and it's like we're rolling you know so Mm -hmm. So, so just go for it, I'd say. Yeah. Looking back, what are things that you would tell yourself to do differently or what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start out? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say, um, I think some advice that I would give to someone just starting out and that I would have told myself, you know, uh, three years ago would just be to be more confident in your abilities to do something. So. Um, you know, when you're starting out in video, like it is like, honestly, especially a wedding, like it, you feel a lot of pressure, you know, I don't really feel that way anymore because I've done, you know, close to a hundred weddings now, but, um, when you start out, you feel so much pressure and that sort of, at least for me, I think, uh, caused me to like shrink in some scenarios. So I didn't want to ask people to like redo something or, you know, I didn't want to be like in the way of the wedding. Um, So, you know, I think I sacrificed some really cool shots where I could have been closer and I just didn't want to block people's view and that sort of thing. Um, I think just be confident in what you're doing and just, you know, realize that like they hired you to be the guy or the girl at this, at this, you know, if it's not a wedding, it's like a video shoot or like a commercial shoot or whatever. Um, just to like own that role of being in charge of making this video. So that's something that I think I definitely grew into, but at the start, I was definitely a little bit more, um, passive, I would say in like making the videos and like directing things. So that's one thing, uh, some advice that I'd give to someone just starting out is, yeah, definitely just own the role of, of uh, creating the video. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Well, this has been so good getting to kind of pick your brain and learn about what you do and um, how other people can do that too. Uh, So thank you, Noah, for joining us. He's from 218 Visuals, um, which you can follow him on Instagram. Do you want to say your website URL? Yeah, yeah. uh, I hope what I said was useful. So uh, my uh, Instagram is at 218Visuals and the website's the same. It's just uh, 218Visuals.com. So Nice. Cool, cool, cool. Um, we are going to transition into our sister gawk portion, and Becca has a story that she's um, been very excited to tell us. Um, so she's going to go ahead and, and give her spiel. Okay. Well, this actually, it just came to me when we were talking about this because um, when we first started getting together to do this recording, uh, Noah's like, oh, so how do you guys know each other? <laughs> And Ruthie hadn't joined oh, the meeting God. yet, and I was just like, oh, we really don't know anything about one another because he doesn't know we're related. Um, 
And it just like made me think of this one time. Noah, okay. I'm just going to tell you. One time I was a camp counselor. And I had been paired with a cabin buddy that was like kind of new to me. Like I'd never known this person before. But apparently like other people knew him because he had worked there in the past or whatever. But he was just like visiting. And I was like, I'm going to pretend to know this guy and like <laughs> just totally mess with him and so I went around and like asked everybody hey do you know this guy he's gonna be my cabin buddy um what do you what do you know about him and so I started gathering all of these facts about his life and then oh um <laughs> this is terrible I know she wrote his autobiography that's the no I did not story. <laughs> so so then like the first time like we're after like everything's done you know you're, you're supposed to meet up with your cabin buddy and your cabin's supposed to like meet them for the first time and I'm like with seventh and eighth grade girls and I'm like and this is our cabin buddy and he's so awesome because you might not know this, but the first time he ever wrote a bowl, he wrote it for the full eight seconds. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> and he's like, who are you? And I just like introduced him like we had known each other for forever. And the whole time I'm just talking to him like we've been best friends. <laughs> and, and then like he left and he started like going up to people and other people knew I was like pranking him. So like, he went and started asking people like hey like do you know becca like how would i know her (laughs) how have we been like have we worked together in the past (laughs) and becca so for me i'm very much instant gratification once it's funny it's funny and then you're done becca is like in it for the long haul so this went on for like Oh, that's so, actually like, amazing. That's like, hilarious. I um, I legitimately, like, for breakfast one day, he was, like, going to meet us to get breakfast with our cabin, and I, like, got this bowl of, like, Lucky Charms, and I brought it to him. I'm like, I know these are your favorite, and, like, it's just <laughs> weird stuff, and I will not ever forget his face, and he stood there holding the Lucky Charms and, like, slowly putting them into his mouth like they were poisoned. <laughs> like, how do I know you? <laughs> uh, it was so good. I finally let it go after three days because I actually did want to be his friend. <laughs> what happened? What did he say? He was just like, that makes so much sense. Like, <laughs> But no sense whatsoever at the same time. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. I got to remember that next time I meet someone that everyone else knows and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, Noah. It's been a blast. Um, And if you guys enjoyed this episode, you should give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will see you next week.